If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, this is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. And Erin Sadler with Sadler Science. And you're listening to another episode of the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. And today we're answering a listener question. So we got a question that said, essentially, are there fewer labs with NGSS? So what, what's your answer, Erin? <laughs> um, okay, so I, I think I'm going to get a little bit like woo-woo here, but um, I kind of, or maybe like a little bit too deep into the weeds, but I stopped using the term like labs in my classroom. Um, because I, when I think of a lab, I think of that like cookie cutter recipe style Mm -hmm. instruction where students are going through and they're following the instructions that I give them in order to get a, you know, a prescribed result. And I'm not really doing that much anymore. Like every once in a while, we'll do that for a specific purpose. And, in order to meet a specific science and engineering practice, but we're not really doing labs in the same way, if that makes sense. Yes. I think, I think it is important to define like how we're using the term lab and, and what we're thinking about when we're thinking about a lab. Um, So I would for sure agree that cookie cutter approach is not happening um, so often in, in, an NGSS classroom. I mean, that's like, I, I don't want to ever say, I don't want to say yeah. never. Um, I, I think that they can be valuable in when, if you're like collecting data that then the students are going to then analyze and like the data is actually, you know, like the reason that you're doing that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not really about this, the, the investigation itself, like going through that process. It's just, that's like how you're getting the data that the students need to analyze to make whatever connection. Um, but the whole, like, they just need to do this so that they, I don't know, learn how to pour with a beaker or something like who cares? Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, there are ways to get them to like accurately measure where you don't really have to, like, I don't know, you don't have to do that much, like just have them write their data on a data table so that yeah. they all see it and they can realize, oh, that data is really weird. And then they go back and remeasure, you know, yeah. like, like you don't have to 
um, there was a lab that I used to do that was like, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen it, the like rainbow test tube one where they like have to measure a certain amount. It's like they start with red, yellow, and blue, and then they make like, they they take out a certain amount from each test tube and then they um, they like pour it into another test tube and it ends, they end up with a rainbow and it's all supposed to be at the same like level. Oh, I have not seen, I've seen <laughs> density columns done that way, but I've never seen it like tied to actually the measuring part. Yeah. I get it. It's yeah. And you're supposed to like, then you can tell if they accurately measured because they're supposed to have all the water levels at the same height and it's supposed to be yeah. in a rainbow color. So I gotcha. Like, getting them to follow directions and measure correctly. So yes, that sounds kind of like a fun challenge, but other, <laughs> other than that, like, just like, can I do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. So, okay. So yeah, those cookie cutter labs are not happening as frequently in a three-dimensional classroom. Um, I think that there is a place, I personally think that there's a place for, um, like when we talk about phenomenon-based learning, it doesn't mean that every single activity you do in your classroom is directly like investigating that phenomenon. Like if if your anchor phenomenon is like some kind of tornado, you can't go investigate that tornado. Like it's not possible for your students to go investigate a tornado that happened 20 years ago. Um, I, I mean, other than like maybe data around it, but they can't like go manipulate anything. Right. But they could manipulate, um, water and heat and things like that and, and carry out a lab to understand something about evaporation or condensation or latent heat, or I don't know, whatever that stuff is. So I think in that sense, you might have those kind of labs. Um, your goal though, is not, is, is it's not just isolated and it's not just showing the concept. It's like, you're taking that takeaway, like condensation, and, and, and I might say this backwards, is it condensation releases heat? And if, am I saying it backwards? Do you know offhand? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Condensation releases heat and evaporation absorbs heat. Is yeah. that how it goes? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm, I'm yeah, missing it. absorbs energy. Yeah. Yeah. Absorbs energy. Okay. So you could walk away with that we want to then tie it back to your anchor phenomenon about like the storms and why you know, that's why storms um, can become so severe and, and get bigger and bigger and like, whatever. Um, I don't know if that made any sense, but (laughs) the goal is that whatever the lab is, you just take it back and apply it to your phenomenon. I haven't done like the weather stuff in probably two years. And I'm like, you lost my lesson on that one. Yeah, we, okay, so I live in California. We don't have tornadoes, so I've never done, like, a tornado lesson because okay. it's so not applicable applicable to my students. Like, we have no yeah. idea. Like, No, I, I have a whole unit on, like, a tornado, like, tornado is the anchor phenomenon, but now I'm just like, shoot, what was that lesson about? I don't really remember what I had them do. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's still good, and I know I wrote it the right way, so it's, yeah. so it's correct, but it is, um, but I'm not remembering it right no, now. We, um, <laughs> like, I was in Colorado with my husband, and they have these, like, little they call them dust devils. And I was like, is that a tornado? And he's like, no, (laughs) no, no, no. (laughs) No. I know nothing about like that kind of weather. It just is so outside of my, my, but but honestly, like, that's okay. Like, unless you need to know it, it's probably fine. (laughs) And if you do need to know it, you can go figure it out because you don't know like the basic concepts, except when I forget which one is releasing energy and which one's absorbing energy. But if I thought about it long enough, not when we were recording, I would for sure figure it out. (laughs) However, I'm on the spot right now. And so my brain is not working like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like the main idea is 
that when you're doing this type of activity, it should be related to a practice or it should be for a specific goal. Like, are they analyzing and interpreting data? Are they planning and carrying out the investigation? They don't have to plan and out plan and carry out the investigation every time that they do this type of activity. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's a, a like a big misconception that, you know, how do I get my kids to plan this investigation? And it's like, they don't have to do it every single time. It might not no. Honestly, you can have them talk. And like, this is where the, that scaffolding comes in. It could be, there's so many parts of that practice. It could be just thinking about, well, what evidence would I need to collect? Like that is literally using that practice. You don't have to actually collect the evidence. You don't have to actually um, design the methods. You could literally just talk to your kids about, hey, here's our question. What might we need to collect? Um, Talk about it, figure it out. And then be like, oh, okay, here's the methods. How are you going to collect that evidence? You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I think also that it's really important to think about why those like lab days are so good and so engaging, because I think that that's one of the complaints I hear from um, teachers, especially about like um, curriculum that they purchased or something like that. There's just not enough hands-on. And I think really what's happening is, is that um, the reason that those lab days are so great is because it's totally student-driven that students are, you know, in charge of all of this stuff. And you need to make sure that you're doing that with like on a day-to-day basis, not just when you're doing labs. And I think that some of the ways that curriculum is written doesn't really allow for that. So yeah, Yeah. that was kind of a long, (laughs) long-winded explanation. Yes. Yeah. And, and for those of you who can't have the hands-on, like not every hands-on, we've done some podcast episodes on this. I'm pretty sure. Um, Not every hands-on activity is truly like minds on or like intellectually engaging your students. Um, But there are are obviously a lot of hands-on activities that are, and that's great, but you can also have those, you know, for those of you who don't have maybe the time or the supplies to do as many hands-on, you can still meet that kind of goal of the students are directing the activities. The students are the ones in charge. They're the ones figuring it out through minds-on activities that maybe are less manipulative you know they're using images or pictures or words or card sorts or data or um like discussions or whatever as a as instead of like the tangible obviously it's great if you can do tangible tangible is more fun tangible is um gonna give your students a better just under experience like a way an easier way to experience it but it doesn't mean that's the only way for them to like experience that type of intellectual engagement or minds-on type of learning absolutely and I uh, like we talked about in another episode like chatty classes like I think that that's also something to keep in mind is how much student talk you're allowing for and make sure that you're allowing for a lot of student talk in your classroom, because that's kind of what makes the lab days so fun is is that students can, you know, sit and talk to each other and there's no expectation that they're like being lectured to or something like that. Yeah. They're, they're working with their partners or their groups or whatever and doing the learning on their own. Um, And that's can happen whether you're doing a like hands-on lab or you're doing any other activity in your classroom. If you structure your classroom that way. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I would say, you know, there wasn't like a simple answer to that question because it really depends on how you're defining lab. But in general, the cookie cutter, if if, if your definition is the cookie cutter lab, then 
it's a it's a pretty pretty strong yes there's not many as many labs yeah yeah we're not doing I don't know if it's yes or no but like there are not as many of those type of cookie cutter labs yeah but also you know like if you are craving that style of activity you can still do you know like if you really want that hands-on piece you there the NGSS really allows for it it kind of like I don't know. Sometimes I like to think of it as like a choose your own adventure, you know, like you can build a classroom that you want. So it's totally up to you. Yes. And honestly, I think that's just should be the shift that we're all making. Anyway, it's whatever is working best for you and your students. And that's getting them to, I don't know, to, 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 you know, to meeting their academic and all sorts of other needs. Um, So there's definitely ways that you can still have that, those types of lab experiences and allow your students to like be figuring it out. It just is not, doesn't look exactly the same as what we've done in the past. Yeah. That's a good way to suggest. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we hope this episode was helpful. I know we kind of went on a couple of random tangents. Um, at least it felt like it from my end, but I feel like it's, it's kind of a random, it's like, it's a floofy concept. You know what I mean? Like it's not a very like defined concept. So it's, it's a difficult question to answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we kind of like wanted to, to touch on all of the potential interpretations of the word lab, I feel like is what it came down to. And, and also recognizing that every classroom is different and every, every teacher is different and all the students are different. So these are all things that you kind of have to weed through on your own and hopefully something we said was helpful. <laughs> yeah. We, and we never go on tangents, so I don't know. What you're <laughs> if you're listening, if you've been listening this long, you probably are familiar with us. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.